Taran tan 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 I just gotta figure out how to get this overlay off and we're here. All right, episode is it 46? Have we made it to 46? Um yeah. Yeah, last episode was 45. Yeah, 46. Kevin, it's been a while. It feels well, like forever yeah, since you've been on vacation. I know, I know. I was I know. I was gone all week. We we recorded that one early and then released it after, so it's kind of has been a little bit. Kevin, give us a famous number 46. Oh, oh wait, a all right. Kevin's on Kevin's out sick today. So Kevin Kevin has a sick day today. He'll be back next week and um David Krejci is who we would have said, I hope. But um, I guess I can't. I, I'm so used to kicking it over to Kevin, asking him how his day was. Connor, how was your day today? Uh, I've had better oh, look days. At my coaster. I'll be honest. Wow, it's sticking to the bottom of your drink there. Getting uh, a little persp- perspiring yeah. out of the, the glass. But today's been kind of a roller coaster. Um, ups and downs. Today's episode wasn't supposed to be just you and I. And no. Unfortunately, we, we lost Kevin to an illness and we lost our guest interview to the day of the day to uh, the waiver wire. So yeah. uh, not a hot start. Yeah, we were going to, we were excited to bring you guys an interview of um, Jacob Ratcliffe, who is uh, originally from New Zealand and he played in Australia, played in Canada, played in the States, and now is playing over in Quad City in the SPHL. We were pretty excited for that interview, but he ended up on waivers today. So that has been delayed. We don't know if maybe we're going to get him in the future. Maybe he'll be re-signed with the team. We're not really sure, but obviously with any player going on waivers, today's just simply not the day for him to come and talk funny stories and have a good time with us. Obviously, when things are going on in these players' lives, we're pretty understanding with that. So good luck to um, Jacob, and we hope everything goes good with his hockey career. And we're still hopefully one day we'll get to talk to him. We, we just wanted to, you know, I'm sure he has some stories to tell, so it would be a cool interview one day. And he's he was ripping it up this year so far. You saw the statistics. So I wouldn't be surprised if he lands somewhere else, maybe even makes it uh, an appearance in the, the East Coast. Yeah. And uh we'll reach out to him, him if he does. Yeah. <laughs> Wherever he lands, we're gonna we're gonna try and fulfill on bringing him on and asking the questions that we had because it's definitely gonna be worthwhile, especially with the NHL looking at, you know, some preseason games in Australia, which that would be fantastic to be able to cover that <laughs> and have yeah. some companies send you to Australia for some hockey games. But I don't know. It's, it, have you ever looked at how long of a flight it is? Isn't it like 18 hours? Oh, it's so long. That's I was. Um, so Emma's sister is actually loves New Zealand. Like she loves New Zealand and it's obviously right there. And we were talking it yesterday. Did they film Lord of the Rings there? They did. They did. Talking about going to New Zealand or Australia. And I'm so out on that. Like, I'm just, I, I don't love flying. I, I just got back from Florida. Those flights were great. I popped my Harry Potter on and I sat there quietly and watched it. Actually, funny flight story. So on the way to Florida, I watched Draft Day. Great movie. Kevin Costner about the Cleveland Browns. It ended. So I was like, all right. I, I downloaded other movies. I downloaded The Hangover Part 1. Ten minutes into the movie, you have Alan naked on the screen. And I have an old lady sitting to the left of me. And I'm just holding my iPad with a naked man on the screen. I flipped it downwards. And I was like, ah. And I just quickly closed out of it. It was so funny. That being said, on the way home, I just strictly downloaded Harry Potter movies. So we didn't have to deal with that. That's wild. Were you sitting next to Emma on the plane? Yeah. Yeah. I, but I had the middle seat. So there was like. Oh, there was, so yeah, was I, the old lady in the aisle or the aisle, window? Yeah. 
old lady was in the Ooh. aisle. So so funny. Like I number one, Southwest Airlines. I, I guess this is on me for not realizing this. I upgraded a business class. I upgraded my thing to like priority boarding. I was A2, hoping maybe I wouldn't have to sit with a random person. Yeah. No, no. I had no zero advantages. I'm such a sucker for that. Like, why did I upgrade to business class? I have no idea. It was like upgrade is, to is business. Is Southwest the airline that you can like uh, pick your seat basically yeah. when you board? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, there's zero classes when you get aboard. I I just I'm an idiot. I don't know. Like there's nothing else. Like I might have got an extra pretzel pack at 5 a.m. I was like, hey, thanks, guys. The guy comes over to me. It's 5:30 in the morning. He's like, sir, you boarded with priority. Would you like an alcoholic beverage? I was like, no, dude. I want coffee. Like no. <laughs> He's like, that's included. I'm like, great. I'm so glad I paid. But that's probably why I got an email two days before saying like 34.99 to upgrade a business class. I probably should have realized that wasn't really anything legit. Got on the plane first. Me and a yeah. handicapped lady, we got on first, so it was nice. Yeah. Way home, I didn't get tricked. I didn't do that for the way home. I got on yeah. everyone else. So I was better a- experience that one. Yeah, I didn't. I I didn't pay for business class. Nobody sat with us on the way home. Wow. So you know, just Jeez. Florida was great. Went to Disney World. Went to Universal. Big Harry Potter guy. You can see Olaf in the background if you're hitting the video. There he is. Gonna gift that to my niece so there's there's big old off back there and that being said i think we roll on into that dirty water the boston bruins have finally lost a game at home not in regular but it was in overtime it wasn't even in overtime it was in a shootout fair and it was 2-1 bruce cassidy I'll kick it over to you for this because I didn't get to watch it. I rewatched it after, but it's not the same because I was coaching hockey because my practice ended up being later than normal. Bruce Bruce Cassidy made his return to the garden. Um, Connor and I feel a little bit differently about Bruce. Connor was more of a Bruce guy than me for sure. I, um, I think I always side more with the players in regards to I just don't think he was great with the players, but his record speaks for itself, and I think he's a good hockey coach. No question about that. How did you feel with him coming back? And how did you feel the Bruins tribute to him was? Um, so what really sucks is as everybody who follows the show for a long period of time, I do not live in Boston. So not even remotely close. So I don't get Nesson at all. I'm watching on ESPN plus and they cut to commercial during the tribute. So I have not actually seen the tribute yet. The only thing that I've seen is the aftermath of the tribute, seeing uh, Bruce behind the bench kind of, you know, getting a little choked up and rubbing his eyes like, oh, my God, who cut the onions in here Um, as players are congratulating him and such. But uh, as far as the game goes, holy cow, it was not a good first period for the Bruins. And to be honest with you, Probably about halfway through the first period, I was thinking to myself, well, Bruce yeah. came back and he is giving us a regulation loss because it was not looking good. The Bruins just looked completely overwhelmed and sluggish. And it was kind of odd to see where, obviously, if you look at the, the numbers just as they are, the Vegas Golden Knights are a great first period team. But the Bruins are one of the best teams in the league. You're not expecting them to, uh, you know, 
kind of dr drop an egg in that first period. And then, of course, things started getting better and better and better. And shout out to uh, Nick uh, over at ITR, Nick Shermetto, our Penguins writer, for being a complete mush. And he started uh, talking a little smack to me about the Bruins getting blown out by uh, the Golden Knights in the first You're period. Talking about and our comeback. We're little talking Nickster. about – Little Nickster? Yeah. Yeah, Penguins fan. And then, lo and behold, here come period two and period three, and the Bruins were fighting back. You saw more of a 50-50 split in the second period, and then the third period was really just kind of Bruins all the way. Yeah, it's I mean, I jumped in halfway through the second period, or five minutes into the second period, really, after Sway, I guess, had given up a softie. Um, the second I sat down, the Bruins started playing good hockey. I only watched the good part of that game. For transparency, Sway made some great saves, and the Bruins took over the game once I got home. I think they were just waiting for me. Which you reminded me by saying his name. Yeah. I texted you during the first period, and I was said, pull Jeremy Swayman. Like, dear yeah. Lord, he looked awful. I got back to my period. phone, and I had texts from both you and my father, angry about Swayman. Yeah, and like – I try not I try not to be that person who's like the the old boomer takes on hockey, you know, and like old man barking at the moon and like, oh, players shouldn't be, you know, making twelve million dollars and this, that, and the other thing. Fighting should stay in hockey. But Swayman hasn't looked great so far this year. And I know that I've said this a lot and probably sound like a broken record, but I truly believe in teams having a book on goaltenders as far as after X amount of games in the league, you just start to figure goalies out and you know where all their weak spots are. There's no more guessing and potentially it's you have the data to know yes, no, yeah. on where you should so be shooting on a goalie. Even and, my eye, Sway's rebound control and side-to-side movements, they get them on that. It's just like, I mean, it's it's visible. And and he is young and obviously yeah. goalies typically develop, you know, later in their twenties. So there's obviously still lots of time for him to turn into what everybody thinks he is going to be. However, you've seen a lot of goalies lighted up in their first, you know, one, two, three seasons and then completely fall into mediocrity. I mean, Carter Hart's been one of them. Uh, Jordan Bennington has been one of them. Cal Peterson has been one of them. Clown Bennington in a little while. Yeah, we'll talk about Bennington more later. Um, I mean, look at Markstrom and Demko, for example. They've Markstrom's probably been around the longest out of all of them. Think about Philip Grubauer. It's crazy. Like, you know, I mean, the Darcy Kemper. All the, it's, it's weird. Kemper's kind of ebbed and flowed. He's came back up. But, like, yeah, I mean, goalies, it's hard to be a goalie in the NHL, right? It's as hard as it's ever been. Skills higher than ever. Offense is higher than ever. And there's more technology than ever. These guys are studying mm -hmm. film. They're studying film on the bench. There's iPads on the bench. And they're looking at what's going on at all times. So they're seeing tendencies in all ways. At I what agree. point do they uh, put an iPad on top of the goal? Kind of well, like mounted, yeah. mounted in there. So when he grabs that water bottle, he can squirt a drink and watch the iPad real quick and put the case back on it. Yeah. You know, check it out. That sounds ridiculous, but I'm sure that it's somebody said day. that at some point. No, I, I know. So the goalies can see the tendencies of the shooters. Yeah, it's like, like oh, hey, I'm gonna take a, a quick but, peek. 
So yeah, moral of the story for last night's game is Bruins started out slow and they proved that they're damn near unbeatable once they get going. One they came back and they stole final points. thing yeah, on definitely. last night's game. Of course. And I want to see your thoughts on it too. There were multiple times in that game where I looked and I saw Trent Frederick and he was outstanding. There was multiple plays where somebody came flying across the street, the screen, and I saw a one on the jersey, and I was like, oh, it must be Taylor Hall. Lo and behold, it's Trent Frederick, who just blew past a defenseman and a forward to win a puck battle and make a play to giving him a scoring opportunity. You're starting to see the, the flowering, if you will, of Trent Frederick. Yeah. Right in front of our eyes. I think he's finally coming to what he is supposed to be, what the Bruins drafted him to be. Like we all looked at the Bruins and were like, what the heck? Like you drafted a third line, big body center who has some upside talent. Well, now that we're seeing what his actual potential is, well, it fits pretty good. It, yeah, it fits. I mean, the Bruins and definitely aren't picking for like, you know, he's one C, two C. He's doing this on his off wing. He's he not is. playing center. He's not even playing his natural wing. He's doing it on the off wing. And I shout them out a lot, but Jaffe and Razor today talking on Morning Brew. Haven't heard it yet, unfortunately. Yeah, is about, about Trent Frederick. And they're like, you know, he's finally coming into his own, exactly what you said. And he's playing away from the puck better than he's playing with the puck. And in turn, he's getting rewarded on the stat sheet. And he's becoming the player that I, for three years, have yelled at the top of the mountain and said he was going to be. Trent Frederick is not a first-line player. He is not a second-line player. He is a very good third-line player. One of the is a very good third-line player and has carved out a career and was a first-round draft pick, Charlie Coyle. Trent Frederick is a very skilled third-line player. Not a very skilled second-line player, if that makes sense. He is very skilled in what it is to be a third-line player. He has grit, he has talent, and he has ability. That is going to result in him having a long NHL career. And I hope it's all in Boston because yeah, he I mean, will be if, a household name. He really, if will. he can float somewhere between two and $4 million, depending on his productivity yeah, and it's... play a third line role. I think that is like ultimately what you drafted him for. Exactly. You know, like that's a very valuable piece. Like my only gripe about the Charlie Coyle comparison is the contract, but mm-hmm. you know, there's well, ways Coyle to was paid to be wrong. a second. Coyle was paid to be a second round player. And then they found out that he wasn't no, he's quite a third that second-line player. Third line player. That is what it is. And you have another guy playing on that, that line right now who's a first-line player in Taylor Hall. But he's he's playing second-line, second-line 1A minutes, and the results have been great. In Taylor Hall's last nine games, since I told you he was getting hot, he has eight points. He's almost a point-for-game player. He's on track for over 60 points this year. He's exactly where you want Taylor Hall to be, and he's just going up. He, for some reason, had a lot of trouble playing with Charlie Coyle in year one. Now in his second full season with the Bruins, he's thriving with them. And that's because, in my opinion, Taylor Hall is driving that line. It's not often the lines are driven by a left wing. That line's driven by a left wing. Coyle has relinquished being the guy who has the puck the most, and he's playing better himself with it. That mm-hmm. line is great. I, I, that's the line that wins you a Stanley Cup. Yep. You, you need your first two lines, right? You need them. But they've lost you a Stanley Cup. That's the line that wins you a Stanley Cup. It's a third line with Coyle, Hall, and Trent Frederick. There's no better third line in the NHL. And I 
I would argue with any fan of any team, any media person from any team, you're not matching up a third line to play against them. I'm sorry. Like, who are you putting out against Coyle? Past MVP, Taylor Hall and Trent Frederick. Three first-round picks. All who are deserving. While not losing your pants to the Bruins' first or second lines. No, and that's the problem. Because you're not going to play your fourth line against them. Match up with them because – that's fine because we'll roll Pasta and Krejci, and then we'll roll Marshy and Bergy with Jake DeBrusque, who deserves respect in that. And then the Bruins' fourth and line is good, arguably too. one of the better fourth lines in the league yeah. right now with the way that Nick Foligno has been playing. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. Everyone outside, you know, I, I'm not even going to say it. There's too much. Bruins have been too good for me to even shed anything negative on them, really. Like, they really have. And defensively, when you roll out McAvoy and Lindholm, you're – literally can't be scored on so i don't like it i said that to you yesterday i was like this is an absolute it's unfair it's almost unfair when you have mcavoy lindholm bergeron marshan and pasta all five on the ice together at the same time at five on five that's ridiculous yeah and that's what people are starting to realize like i mean today biz made a joke and said watch them be a first round exit and wit and the whole rest bucket like no chance. Yeah. There's just the Bruins are too deep, they're too physical, and they're too skilled. They're my Stanley Cup favorite, and I bet on them plus twenty five hundred. So there's that. That's but it's just uh, yeah. The cap. But still, I just I have any I have just any issue with anyone who thinks that the Bruins aren't good. I don't know. Yeah. Just, when you can roll a power play one of David Krejci. Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, David Posternock, and Taylor Hall. That yeah, is disgusting. Luck. That's what yeah, they or Jake DeBrus. Or Jake DeBrus, too. Like, it's just, it's just, yeah. I mean, I'm trying not to be a Bruins homer, but it's almost impossible right now. We'll What's get into really? some other Bruins. Let's talk bad about the Bruins. Anton Uh-oh. Strawman. Uh-oh. Didn't really work. He's been waived. Did he report to Providence? I'm not sure. I probably should have. He did didn't that. He report didn't. to Providence, but okay. it was a paper transaction. They're just yeah, letting him be with the team at this point. As far as I know, if that's changed today, I'm not sure. Yeah. Strawman shouldn't have been signed. Yeah. I don't, it's I don't really unnecessary. I mean, you have Anton Strawman yeah. and Mike Riley on the Providence roster, quote unquote. That's... And you're not playing Zamora. Yes. And... Not for nothing. You also have Jack Ashan who can play at this level. So, Maybe, but I yeah. won't count that against them because no, of course not. He no, hasn't no, played in the no, NHL no, no, yet. No. So. I'm not counting it against them. That, that's fair. The Bruins have had this issue since training camp, which I yelled about then, and I'll talk about now. There's too many guys for not enough spots. We had unexpected guys fall out of those spots. Zaboral, one of them. He was beat out by Clifton and Forbert fair and square at this point. Fair and square. The only guy who I think is a little suspect in that sixth defenseman is Coyle in his current role. Not Coyle, Jesus, Carlo in his current role. That being said, I really liked Carlo's game last night for what I watched of it. And again, I came in at 3-0. I thought Carlo played pretty good, and I still think Carlo can be a very good NHL defenseman. I just Carlo think that played he's okay. Overall. Yeah, he, he's just not... It, the issue is with Carlo is he is what he is. Before the concussions and when we first got Brandon Carlo, he was a he stud. Was a, he was a stud. And he is a very good NHL defenseman, and we need to accept that 
and stop expecting him to be the stud player that we he was projecting to be. And if it happens, and if, if it does, then great. But I just don't know if it happens here. Brandon Carlo is going to turn into your Derek Forbert. Like yeah, that is now did. the trajectory of his yeah. career. Which is a good NHL we've season, seen. right? It's just like that's – it's just we expect a lot you're just, more. You're going to be a journeyman. Yeah, but I don't I don't even know that. He might just stay here if he gets the right contracts. You know what I don't, I don't, I don't think he's getting a raise from where I, he's at. No, no, I, no. I, I think he stays right where he is, and he just this – is, this is him. And it, it's also hard because, like, it's tough to watch anyone play with Charlie McAvoy, and it's tough to watch anyone play with Hampus Lindholm and be like, hey, you're good, because those guys are just outstanding all the time. So there's an element of that. But to round it all out, I don't think the trade's really coming from the back end. The Bruins need to make a move, and they need to make a move soon because they just have too many pieces. And I get it. We're very deep. We're too deep. Yeah. You have Craig Smith not playing. You have he's a Mike Riley or, down in Providence. Or was. I believe yeah. he's going to draw in Apparently. tomorrow. He's going to play tomorrow? I believe I saw that he's going to go and play tomorrow in place of A.J. Greer. Okay. A.J. Greer, ever since the preseason, has sort of fizzled out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So Greer's kind of came back to normal, right? And I, I think that A.J. Greer's a good player. I think he's an NHL player. He's not like a third-line player. He's a fourth-line guy. He's a good fourth-line guy. What I don't like about A.J. Greer in this year is the inconsistency in playing him. He yeah. was hot. You should have kept him in the lineup. Yeah, I don't believe they that. have been constant about rotating people in and out of the lineup every one, two, three games that it changes, which that's that's great and all. But it's it's not really serving a purpose. It's not like you're, you know, resting one of your more veteran players like a Krejci or a Bergeron for a game against Columbus, you know, oh, no, like no. they're rotating out like no sick coil or well, no sick. Um, Greer and uh, who was the other one? Smith. Smith. There you go. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree with that. I really think that. But I mean, like, it sounds really nitpicky, but like, let's be honest. I mean, it for, is. But it is. You know, the Bruins. Like, you have to nitpick right now if you want to try and criticize. No, they're not rotating. No six. No six played every game. No six plays He's twenty-four played every games. Game. Yeah, so it was Greer, it was Freddie a little bit at the start, and then Freddie okay. kind of tore in. So it's really just been – Smith's only played 12 games. Greer's played 19, but Nosek's played all 24. Felino's played all 24. So Freddie's played 21, but he was hurt too. I mean, it's really, hurt. like, I, yeah, it's really just – No, him and Smith. Guys. Yeah. And Craig Smith, the issue with Craig Smith is he's a top nine forward, and there's no spot for him in the top nine. He's not a fourth-line forward. Craig Smith needs to go – I want to see Craig Smith go somewhere decent. Like I'd like him to go somewhere, you know, where he can. What really sucks? He's a good guy. I think our fourth line would be dynamite if it was Felino, Greer, and uh, Craig Smith. Smith. Yeah, me too. But Nosek is valuable on the penalty kill and in the faceoff dot, so they're going to keep rolling with him. Yeah, no, and that's his role in the team, and obviously guys who make a lot more money than us and have the power to make those decisions, made that choice. Craig Smith's a better hockey player than him, though. But it just, yeah. it's its a role problem with Smith. It's simply Smith, at this point in his career, cannot beat out. I mean, look at the third line. Where I'm not even going to talk about Taylor Hall. 
and he's not beating out Trent Frederick for a wing spot, and he's not bringing out he's not beating out Charlie Coyle for a wing spot or center spot because you know what I mean. He'd have to beat out yeah. one of those two because they're both centers and wings. So he'd have to beat out one of those two. He's not as dynamic as either. Yep, he's a high volume shooter on a team that doesn't need a third line of high volume shooters because yeah. you have pasta and you have pasta up at top and you have DeBrusque and you have Marshawn who take a ton of shots. And you know, somebody David who we are has absolutely 121 shots. Jake DeBrusque has 76. Do we you have know who we're ignoring. What who? do you know who we're ignoring? Pavel Zaka. Yeah. I, I just thought of him. I'm like, we haven't even mentioned him yet. Three goals, 13 assists, not scoring as much, but he's generating offense, 16 points in 24 games. He's on pace for over 40 points. It's getting he's paid quiet. what? What's he getting paid? Uh, 3.2? Three and a half. Yeah, he's playing over that. It's just like he's he's plus six. He's a good player. He, I mean, <laughs> when, he's, yeah. when he's gotten a dot, he's been 40%, which is good for a winger. He just... He's not a winger. He's a center. I know. That's what I'm saying. Is it good for a guy who's playing wing, though, on his limited True. face-offs? Yeah. I mean, I, I'll agree with you that I think that Craig Smith is probably, you know, on his way out in the Boston market. But I I have to think if you're trading Smith, you're also trading Riley because Riley actually yeah. requested a trade where Smith didn't. I think you just don't have the room for him. And at three, three point two million, somewhere in there, I think it's three. Um, that's too much to just be scratching every night. And then you have another $2 million sitting in Providence. Yeah, they got to do it. Agreed. They have to do it. They have to make a trade there. I just don't know when it, when it comes, when it happens. Yeah. And obviously, we all know that it's going to happen at some point. We don't know when. But the sooner the better. Because if you move that much money off your cap, you will be able to bank cap space heading into the deadline. And then that'll free you up to be really creative with what you want to do down the stretch. My issue with what you want to do, though, is who moves where? Well, let's talk about it. Let's just have like a little shits and giggles time here and, you know, project. Clearly, we don't have a lot of topics for the other segments, but let's. Well, we have some long talks for some of these, I'm sure. Yeah, I know. But let's get wild. We don't have Kevin today. We. Don't have an interview to worry about. We can get no, no, I'm good. silly I'm good. with it. Be... So the first line, you're not moving anyone from the first line, I don't think, right now. I he think is... the brusque is movable off of that first line. But he has to go In to the, the second case, line. that is a huge upgrade. Yeah. He potentially will drop to the second or third line. Yeah, but he's staying in the top nine, and he's still getting 16-plus yes. minutes. Because he's deserved it. He has 17 points in 23 games, eight goals, nine assists. And he's scored in big moments. And, you know, Bergeron talked about it. DeBrusque is now starting to talk to them about where he wants the puck and things he sees. And it's welcomed because he's building that chemistry. That doesn't go unnoticed. Like, that's the stuff that's like DeBrusque is becoming – DeBrusque killing penalties at some points. DeBrusque playing yeah, a big role in this He team. has been. Yeah, 100%. He's playing, a, he's playing a big role. So DeBrusque is staying in your top nine. Taylor Hall is staying in your top nine. Do I have to talk about the other two wingers who are definitely staying in your top nine? Like Pasta and Berge- Marshawn are going nowhere. Bergeron and Krejci are going nowhere. Charlie Coyle staying in your top nine. The only guys there who could move out of your top nine are Zaka and 
Trent Frederick, neither deserving. Zaka I say, I really say just that's Trent. Frederick. It's really just Trent. That's my Frederick point. can play a fourth line role for a third of a season going into a, and playoff. it doesn't hurt his development. Correct. Yeah, but he has, in every right, earned that third line role. I think you know he's nine points in twenty-one games. It's pretty good. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it, it's tough because I really think he's moving in the right direction. If you move him down to your fourth line. I think no six out. So let me ask you this. I don't know. I mean, if we're going to entertain, we're going to look at the forwards and entertain this. And then we'll go into the defensemen and talk about that. I don't think we're going to talk about goaltending because no, no, goaltending stay in the same. Um, For the Bruins, if they add in the forward group, do you want to see them upgrade from DeBrusque on the first line and slot some people down in the lineup? Or would you rather them upgrade on Frederick and just bump him down the lineup? Yeah, I, I no, I wouldn't rather them just upgrade Frederick because I don't think that makes enough an impact, especially how well that line's playing. If you're gonna do something super impactful, it needs to be a, another star to add to the top end of this lineup for a year to go run for the cup. It's a Patrick Kane. It's a JT Miller, who I know just signed a contract, but. I guess no, it's not going to be a JT Miller, but I just to Bo Horvat. It's a Brock Besser. It's that you know we'll talk about more. It, it just it's one of those very impact players. But is Brock Besser really that big of an upgrade from Jake DeBrusque? I don't know. We don't know. We don't watch enough. Yeah, I know. I know he has been in the past, but is he right now? Jake DeBrusque playing a two hundred foot game. Brock Besser's a shooter. Is I see Brock Besser as an upgrade from Trent Frederick. He's Fair. on our third line. He is, you know what I mean. Like I just don't. So and I think Bo Horvat's would... more. Bo Horvat, yeah. I feel completely different about. Bo Horvat moves crazy down the lineup, which doesn't happen. But you know what I mean. In yeah, I don't think there's probably a, an there's asterisk. In yeah, his there's, there's an asterisk. In his <laughs> yeah, he ain't going nowhere. And I mean, he has 19 points in 21 games, so. I'll, yeah, I'll I mean the Bruins are rolling. Like everybody's yeah, gonna have their just, cookies, yeah. you know. You know the only guy I really would be like, okay, if we went out and got is Patrick Kane, and it'd make it easier, right? If we go and get a guy like Patrick Kane, we gotta send some people back to make space, maybe. Like you send a, but I'm not trading. So Jake DeBrusque or Trent Frederick, I'm not. I've been high on them every day one. I'm not gonna who, stop now. Everybody who sits here and says the Bruins can't make Patrick Kane work. No, they can't find it. It's going to be a three-team yes, trade. Every team, so every team in the NHL can make Patrick Kane work. It doesn't need to be three teams with the Bruins. Yeah, it, every team can make it work that late in the season. Like True. However, you we already discussed Mike Riley and Craig Smith potentially moving. Yeah. So we're not going to talk about trade deadline math and get into no, any no, of that voodoo. It's, it's doable. But if it's you not... look at it, there's $10.5 million for – Patrick Kane, and there's roughly six million for those two players. Yeah, at fifty percent retained, it's, Kane it's, is cheaper than those two contracts. Yeah. So even in a trade, you know, so what it would have to look like if you didn't move them before trading with Chicago, you would have to move those two players, plus probably a pick, prospect or two. If you're not including a young roster player, yeah, you know, like a Zaboral. Yeah, Zaboral could be on the move if they make a move like that. I like a Zaboral, a first round pick, and 
Mason I'm going to throw Ryan, this probably. name out, like maybe somebody in the low rye or yeah. I hate to say it, Beecher or McLaughlin range. No, I don't. I see. I just don't think the Bruins would want it, would move those guys. I, the Bruins aren't moving their future. That's the issue. Cam Neely, like, they moved Jack Studnika. I know. Because I they know. fumbled him for their future. I know. I know. I just, like, I don't, I know. But, you know, like, they sometimes you're just forced into making a tough decision. Yeah. And trust me, I'm there with you. Like, some of these. I don't want any one young move at all. I think you agree. I know that Patrick Kane coming to the Bruins would make this team. Almost yeah. like hands down favorite. Like I don't know how you could beat them at that point. But they already are that favorite. I want the Bruins to do nothing. <sighs> See, I think they have to do something, but yeah. I don't think it's on the forwards. Okay, I fine. think it's on the back end. Well, the, yeah, they could go get another defenseman with what they have. I, they could trade two defensemen and get another defenseman. That's doable. Like I think the place to upgrade is the Brandon Carlo slot yeah. on their back end. Like, yes, that's probably going to push Connor Clifton out of the lineup and make you a little less quote unquote tough. And for all you jack wagons who say because he's small, he can't be tough. You obviously haven't watched enough Bruins hockey. Um, yeah. But I think that could be a phenomenal Even, spot I mean, to make you an can, upgrade. And you can run five defensemen too. Like, I mean, you can run seven defensemen. Like, you'll get that guy. You'd still get him in games. That wouldn't be an issue. Yeah. But, again, but he doesn't deserve it. It's like, I just don't. Connor Clifton has eight points in 24 games. Carlo has four. He has zero goals. I, I, but he's plus 13, which is good. But what is Cliffy? Cliffy's plus nine. I mean, there's the Bruins are rolling. They're playing good. So I'm Carlo good the is the that. minute muncher on yeah. the PK. That's yeah, no. him and Forbert. That's, that's their main job on that back end. Yeah. So it, it's it's tough, but I think that you're going to be able to find somebody who will be an upgrade in that slot specifically who would probably actually be cheaper in the long run. I would not be surprised. Yeah, we'll have to see how it all goes. I don't I mean the Bruins are going to be players cuz they're going for it. There's that. I just I have big issue with mortgaging the future for it because I want to watch a winning team. Listen, Pasta's not signing long term if he thinks there's no future. McAvoy didn't sign eight years without being promised there was going to be a future. We can't mortgage the young guys that I think are going to be. I see Beecher as a very big part of this team in the future. And you do too. I see McLaughlin as a very, very big part of this team in the future. Teaser alert. Yeah, I'm just not willing to move any of those guys for any reason right now because we've moved so many draft picks. The guys we have, we need. The Bruins need yeah. that for the future. I'm not I, I want the Bruins to win the Stanley Cup this year. I want them to have a long run as much as anyone. Trust me. Watch every second of every game I have for the last 15 years of my life. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a Bruins fan till the day I die. I the would like only, them to continue being successful. The only way I feel like that we ended, Bruins... we should have ended it on that. We should have went to the next segment when I said I was going to be a Bruins fan till the day no. I die. You're corny. <laughs> Get out of here. The only way that I see a Bruins trade at the deadline making sense that would change, you know, Pasternak's view is if they go out and they get a top, you know, two pair center in the league and bring him in. But then it's where the hell does he play this year? So yeah. that doesn't make any sense. I, I also like, and just we'll, we'll end the Bruins segment with this listening to um, 
his agent's comments, things are going good. Like he, yeah. I mean, he said they're talking daily and there's nothing that needs to be said that's going to help either side's case. That means they're moving evenly in the right direction because he would have said something negative if it was need be, but it's not. So I, I think, I don't think you would. Be, I don't think no? pasta's that way. No, not pasta. Yeah, that is true. Pasta would not like that. That is mm -mm. fair. He wouldn't like it if his agent was coming and smearing yeah. things on the wall because no, Don Sweeney has not said a bad thing about Pasternak or mm -hmm. his agent. Ever. And I think that I think if, things are going good. I really in do. The, in the case that Pasternak does walk away from the Bruins, I don't think that there's going to be like a lot of bad blood. It's just going to be, be a, there be hey, this is going to be a new era for the Bruins. I'm going to go it, do my thing. Here's the thing. The Bruins will have that information. There's yeah. zero chance a guy like David Pasternak would leave them high and dry. That is not him. And we agree. Yeah. definitely agree with that. I also think Pasta's going to be a Bruin for his whole career. So there's there's that. Let's get off the Bruins. It's been long. Let's hit the salty D's. Let's get a little salty. The easiest team for me to get salty about in the Salty East is the team that I just don't like. And that is the Their New next York door Rangers. Sorry, Miley's sorry. favorite. Sorry. <laughs> the New York Rangers. The Rangers are having issues. Early in the season, we heard rumblings about these issues. And they have came to fruition. The Rangers seem to be falling apart from the inside out. Rangers fans, to me, are the worst fan base. They are on Twitter just going crazy. They're on everything going crazy. They're blaming the coach, blaming everything. I don't know what the issue is. It's tough to really pinpoint. The talent's there. The goaltending is there. The young and old mix is there. The yep. coaching is there. The fan base is a good fan base, all things aside. The rink is outstanding. New York City may be one of the best places to play in the world. I mean, come on. It's Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> so there's not really, there's not much like shit to be talked. You could be playing fact, at ASU. <laughs> yeah. Other than the fact they're almost 500 at this point in the season. The New York Rangers are currently sitting at 12, 10, and 5. And they're on the outside looking in. They're, they have two, they've played two more games in Pittsburgh and they're back a point. Things are not good in New York. And, our podcast, the Broadway Backtrack. Nope. What is it? It's the New York Painters. They um they're doing the best that they can right now to really record and talk positive about the Rangers, but it's hard. It's hard because they're just having some major issues. Yeah. Uh things are not not happy in the Big Apple. And Jacob Truba is getting absolutely crucified by A fans. And B, other players. So I don't know if you actually saw the hit or not, but I actually got to see the hit. I watched the video. Jacob Truba came out of nowhere to land a hit on Andreas Athanasiu in the Rangers-Blackhawks game. I think it was like four or five days ago at this point. And in, in the video, you can see you kind of like back his head away and like move out of the way or Truba would have railed him in the face. Okay. After the game, Athanasiu uh, had some pretty spicy comments and I have them for you in full so I can read them. 
instead of talking a little bit about them and Jake cutting me off and say, Oh, Hey, wait, I found them right here. Well, you want me to, you want me to read that? <laughs> well, you got them, right? Yes. So Athanasiu said that guy is known for hitting high, not really worrying about the puck out there and almost trying to hurt people when talking about Truba. That's his game. That's what he does. He's an $8 million man with zero goals. So he has to figure out how to do something when making that much. If you can't help the team, I guess you got to try to hurt the guys on the other team. Sheesh. That's a tough one. And other podcasts, I won't name names because no free advertisement, but I was listening today talking about how Truba may be one of the most overpaid players in the NHL. The Rangers might have messed up with that contract. They might have. There could be a big issue there. He's playing third pairing minutes. He's so, a captain of a sinking ship. Things are not simmer, good. Let's simmer that way. a little. Yeah, his contract is bad. Yeah. But they slapped the C on him right after. Yeah, well, that's what they did. That they did the that's what teams do. They they need something to grab onto after a tough playoff loss, and they sent it up. They're like, he's our golden boy. Tough because your best defenseman Adam is Adam Fox. Fox. And your second best defenseman is Keandre Miller. And your third best defenseman is Ryan Lilligren. Right? Lindgren. Lindgren, sorry. Lilligren's in Toronto. Lilligren's in Toronto. You're right. It's Lindgren. Lindgren was a Bruins. Was a Bruins yes, he, was. he was in the Rick Nash trade. So Correct. was Keandre Miller. He was, yes, the he, was. he was the draft pick. A little trivia there for you. Yeah. Um, so that's an issue. You usually don't want to give the seed your third pair, you, you know, your fourth, fifth best defenseman who's not putting up points and doesn't seem like a vocal leader. I, I don't know. You know, I, I think that there's problems in that locker room. There's yeah. too much talent for what they're getting. I mean, I had the Rangers as a Stanley Cup contender. Now I, I don't fear them at all, I other than the fact that the I – Yeah, I would rather my team doesn't play him because I don't want this goon in Jacob Truba – to come and run pasta from behind. That's, you know, that's really how I look at it. I used to worry about Reeves, but Reeves has integrity. Yeah. I don't know what Truba does. It's, it's tough to see. Yeah. I mean, that might be a little bit harsh. I mean, it's goals. It's like what he's on my fantasy team. He's doing nothing. 30 points in 27 games. I, I thought Panero would be good. You have him on your far. fantasy team. Yeah. I don't even play him. You should probably drop him. No, I, I don't even play that guy. I've tried to trade him to our uh, to to our, our Rangers list. fans. Yeah, I've tried to trade him for weeks, but even they don't want him. When the wow. Rangers fans don't want their own guys, you know there's issues. You have Alexi Lafreniere, who people were saying was the next Wayne Gretzky at a time. They were like, Lafreniere's the next McDavid, the next generational talent. It's year three. He's got 12 points in 27 games. He has four goals. Sorry. Yeah. Tough. That's a tough one. You want to hear a tougher one? Let's talk about Capo Caco. Eight points in 27 games. Dash two. Jimmy Vesey has the same amount of points as him. Not good. Lingren, the defenseman who I butchered his name, has the same amount of points as Caco. Philip Cheadle, 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 their guy that they all yell about. He's outproducing them. It's just tough. It's tough to really, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Shesterkin hasn't been playing the greatest either, and he's made some comments recently um, in interviews talking about you know not playing great, etc. So that that's always tough to to kind of see in here because you hate to really pin it on the goaltending, 
Sometimes it is, but Shesterkin really covered up a lot of problems in New I York mean, last year and made them look better than he was. Shesterkin is 11-4. and four. Yes, but he's come out recently and said that he is not playing. Oh, well. he's not. He could be playing much better. Yaro Halak is 1-6. and six. You know, Yaro yeah. Halak... Maybe a little past playing eight games type guy. You know, I, I just, I have, there's an issue there. There's He's in the same there. role as Keith Kincaid. He should be your number two in your AHL that can come up and give you some veteran sit Correct. on the bench time. Yeah, I just, I mean, but yeah, no, I mean, Igor has a two, six, seven goals against average in a, Nine ten saves are all right, but it's still just yeah no, it's not working. There's issues. There's big issues, and there's another thing here. As much as I say Gerard Gallant's a really good coach, I think he is. He don't usually make it past year three. I don't know why, and I don't get it. But I'll be fair to him that he's gotten screwed. He's gotten hosed. Yeah, so it's both times. Yeah, agreed. I agree. Um, Especially when he got left in Carolina by the Panthers, and they yeah, and the players were. The players were like livid about it. They were like, dude, we don't want him fired. Or at the time he got fired from Vegas and the players came out, we're like, what? Like he, so, and that was too, like, yeah, I just, I don't, I'm not going to say that he's a, he's a good coach. I was a guy that I would have liked to see in Boston. So. The problem is the Rangers have high expectations. They got mm-hmm. rid of their general manager last year and replaced him with Drury. And then they replaced the coach shortly before that to Gallant. So really now your choice is players. You've switched over everything else with virtually the same core. And, you know, the guys at the top are producing. Panarin, Zibanejad, Fox, Kreider, Trocek, passes. Passes. The problem is there's a five-point difference. between. It's tough because Trocek's minus nine, so he's a liability. But at least he has 17 points. Yeah, you got to sit down that kid line and be like, what are you doing? You know, Lafreniere, it's just it's disappointing because I thought he was better. I really did. Um, I remember his last year at World Juniors. I was like, this guy's pretty good. He's pretty good. They need to split up their talent and their kids. Yeah, it's probably time to let those guys, you know, play with a play with Panarin. Let Panarin get them going because I think Artemi Panarin is one of the best players in the league. I was joking. He has 30 points in 27 games. He's doing just fine. Mm-hmm. They, you know, I, I, I don't know. There's issues. Yeah. There's issues. There's issues over in the Empire Skates. There's issues. Yeah. From my stepsister's cousin's friend who told Kevin. Yeah, no, gone. there's issues. There's issues. There is issues. Let's uh, talk about your next topic you had here. Um, Alex Formenton did not sign in Ottawa. I generally don't know much. I So he was a restricted free agent, correct? Correct. He was an RFA. Yep. He had until last week or yes, early this deadline. week to sign on the RFA deadline or else December he could 2nd. not play for the entire season. Yep. So basically it's you sign or you need to go to Europe or sit. For the rest of the year doing nothing, eating some Cheetos and watching your friends play. Cheese doodles. Um, so the curious thing is they were trying to move him. They were having trade talks over, like weeks before leading up to this. 
they didn't sign him and they didn't trade him. Now, here's the little cookie that not a lot of people realize. All of the Hockey Canada scandal from 2018, he was on the roster and he is one of the only people who have not publicly made any comment, nor denials, nor anything about the subject via himself, his social media, or his agent. I did not know that. Have you confirmed that? That's fact. That is fact. It has also been said by people like Frank Cervalli, Elliot Friedman, yada, yada. I believe you. Um, 100%. I don't know. It was so weird. Like I read, I I knew he didn't sign and everything, but I don't, I don't have enough knowledge of the situation to talk, but from someone who has no knowledge here and that. So what is like, when I heard that, I know what I thought. Does, does that make you think like, okay, well they obviously must know something where nobody wanted to trade for him and try and sign him and Ottawa doesn't want to sign him. They're just willing to let him sit. I was like, huh? The first, I'm not going to read this headline, but uh, yeah. So I think there are some news outlets running with that allegation, but let's just, yeah, that's that's highly speculation. That's yeah, just, we don't know. know the but there, I mean, there, are, mind. there are websites much smaller than ours, much smaller than Inside the Rink, and where we are loyal to, obviously, and running so, with things like that. But we don't at Inside the Rink. We don't run with bullshit. So I don't like we need we need facts and proof. But yeah. So here's my question. Sketch. If, if, if. This is all because there's some knowledge of wrongdoing. And that is why nobody wants to sign him or trade for him. Shame on the Ottawa Senators. One, yes. Two, wouldn't you also think that the other half dozen or more individuals involved, because I believe there is eight, the teams in the league don't know at this point about any of it. And there are likely players just like this fellow here playing NHL hockey games on your TV. There is on a weekly basis. There is. And it sucks. It's sad. And I mean, I read that story and hate it. It's tough to read. And, And I mean, I don't have a kid, right? You have kids. It's tough to read. I know that as like someone who coaches hockey, like, God, I hope that I can make an impact in these kids one day. That's like, Hey, like they know not to do these things and be like a role model. But like that sucks. And if, if anyone in power on these teams in the NHL know those names, it's just, you're losing your job. You're yeah, losing you your life. <laughs> like, I don't like just know. It's just, it's insane. Like, but look at Bowman and Quenville, you know, the fact that it's not out is pathetic. Like the fact that it's not out is pathetic, but I get, I get they have to fully do their vetting and figure it all out because we're, you know, we're, we're, we don't want people accused of things they didn't do. From my understanding, the NHL is done with their investigation and they are waiting on the local police department to finish their investigation. Right to kind of check notes, if you will, and make sure nothing else is missing and let the authorities make the first kind of move there, if you will. We'll table that. That's a wait and see. The situation sucks. Hockey Canada is a joke. They know it. 
They still are. They're a joke. And yeah, I'm unfortunately thankful because thankful we haven't seen that happen in our country, but I'm sure it's yeah. world juniors time of year. And you hate for something like that to be the storyline and it's going to be. It, it, it is. I mean, it's been, a, it's been a, the, Canada's ruined world juniors now for two and a half years and they still can't clean it up. So it's just a joke. And, you know, I, I just went through the coaching like level one classes and we legit had that, that came up as a topic, like things that you need to make sure are not happening and things that the kids at the world juniors program are learning about when you go to play for the United States NDP, NDTP, you learn about those things. And it seems like Canada's missed the mark on that. And it's, it's, you're at the age, like when you're 15, 16, 17, like, Sorry, you know, you know that that's different between being in eighth grade and saying something wrong and doing yeah. something like that. There's no excuse for the actions they did. And that's it. Let's table it. Let's move on. Let's go to Kevin's favorite section. Sorry, Kevin, that you're not here for this. The wild, wild weast. The weast is a little what I was gonna say the weast is a little light. Like laughed at me saying the weast. The West is a little light for topics this week, other than a couple kind of negative things, really. But Jordan Bennington's an absolute clown. I'm so sick of this guy leaving his crease to hit people. I want a guy like Milan Lucic to just destroy him. And it's gonna happen because guys are getting sick of it. You're yep. gonna get a guy who doesn't care and it doesn't even matter anymore. You're not even gonna get hate from the fans. Nobody likes Bennington, his own coach. You can see Barubi's like, dude, I wish I didn't have to deal with this guy. Like it just yeah, he sold him out in the media. He's like, he has to stop doing it. He's a clown. Guy's a clown. Every single podcast across hockey is calling this guy a clown. No matter if they're a St. Louis Blues podcast, everyone's like, hey, he's a clown. This guy is your classic. Just I just I don't like him. I've listened to so many interviews with. I've listened to like four or five interviews with him. He's a weirdo. He just. I mean, what did everybody think when he? was a rookie and told marty broder to shove it yeah he's just the guy's a clown like there's no like there's no you expected him to be the next coming of saint patrice bergeron no sorry it's not a great guy he's just he's just he's kind of a clown like there's nothing you can do and guess what that attitude and that swagger won him a stanley cup don't hit the wrong way because he was on a hot streak hot streaks over he's came back down to earth he is okay but it just isn't it just ain't working. And he's he's taking his anger, he doesn't know how to handle. He's like a young Brad Marchand where he's acting out, but as a goalie, it's like, dude, stop doing that. You're gonna hurt someone or you're gonna get hurt. It's one or the other. There's no other way around it. Yeah, and I mean he's a goalie. It's not like, you know, you can go into the corner and you know, blow him up or you know, oh, hit him when he's issue. next to the benches trying to make a change and you know, start a kerfluffle over there. I mean, the goalies are protected. Yep. It's like being a quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, no, it is. It's a joke. Next topic for the West, we have Brock Bester debacle. Yes. He ended up playing. I don't, you know he played, right? So He so played Besser, in that game? He did play in that game, yeah. He ended up playing in that game. He didn't actually get scratched. He played. Oh, he did? There was a last-second injury to the guy who was going in for him, and he ended up playing. So Brock Besser was set was told in the media and set to be scratched for Hockey Fights Cancer Night. 
Brock Besser has just just lost his dad of cancer. He had a jersey made with his dad's name on it to wear on the ice. And he was told he was scratched. That's that's tough. It's tough. Mm-hmm. It's really tough. It sucks. Like there's no like and then again, coaches don't always know that stuff. Like coaches aren't always knowing it's hockey fights cancer night, but I think that's kind of a cop out. Like, you know, it it just Brock's time, obviously the same, the same night, the news came out that Vancouver has allowed Besser's agents to reach out to other teams about a trade and about a future fit. So his time in Vancouver is pretty much up. That's like, okay. So I'm going to have to uh, make you an apology. Um, I got texted about a crisis, so I was a little bit distracted. No worries. Um, did you mention what event was that game that night? It's cancer. Yes. Okay. I I just wanted to make sure that that got mentioned. Um, because I was listening to, I thought it was a 32 thoughts. I may be wrong. Don't quote me on it. Uh, on my way to work today, I was listening to some other podcast who basically said, you know, like, maybe the coaching staff like wasn't aware that it was going to be hockey uh, fights cancer night or something like that. And, you know, when you're in the midst of an NHL season as a coach or a player, part of the team, like that kind of stuff just goes like right by you and you don't realize it. I was like, no, no fucking way that that is possible because Because in the locker room, in the locker room, when you walk in, all of the jerseys are purple. Yeah, and they do the signs and they make the videos. I know. It's, it's, it's tough. I get, you know, Boudreaux said he didn't know and all that. It's, I'm not going to say he definitely knew, but all the fans knew. You all know. The players knew. The GM that knew. Boudreaux knew. had to go in there with the coaching staff and yeah. he had to apologize. If he didn't, oh, for sure. I think much differently than I used to about Boudreaux because that is probably one of the more slimy things that I have seen. But the Vancouver Canucks, everyone. Yeah, they're they're about to blow up. We will have some rumor mill maybe next week on the Vancouver Canucks. Now they're going to blow up. But that was our episode today, guys. You know, I'll be honest with you. Connor and I came in fully planned on, and Kevin fully planned on doing an interview. And we did this one on the fly. So hope you guys enjoyed it. And we'll be glad to have Kevy Baby back next week. Let me hit some. Oh, it didn't work. There we go. Now we're playing out. Oh, the beautiful oh. Winter Classic jerseys. I'll tell you one thing as we're playing out. The Winter Classic jerseys are way better. Way better. Happy duck boats. <laughs>